Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Hello, this is Let's Talk About Myths, baby, and I am your host, Liv, here with another reading of Apollonius's Argonautica. I've heard from a few of you that you're really enjoying this one, and I'm very glad. It is an interesting translation. I mean, a little old and stuffy, like we've sort of dealt with already, but I'm trying to liven it up. And the story itself is so good and so crazy and Jason and Medea and all of that good shit. So it's completely worth telling and works so well for these reading episodes. As usual, we're sort of do one or two on of these and then some conversation episodes really mix it up, kind of keep everyone happy and excited. I don't totally know what I'm talking about, but I really ad lib these introductions. And so without any further of that, let's dive right back into the story where we last left off at the end of book one, there'd been some warring and Heracles and Hylas were left behind on an island after an encounter, an unfortunate encounter, I should say, interaction with some nymphs. This is the Argonautica by Apollonius, translated by R.C. Seton, Book 2, 
Part 1 Here were the ox stalls and farm of Amicus, the haughty king of the Bebrycians, whom once a nymph, Bithynian Malie, united to Poseidon Genethlius, bare the most arrogant of men, for even for strangers he laid down an insulting ordinance that none should depart till they had made trial of him in boxing and he had slain many of his neighbors. At that time, too, he went down to the ship and in his insolence scorned to ask them the occasion of their voyage and who they were, but at once spoke out among them all, "'Listen, you wanderers by sea, to what it befits you to know.' It is the rule that no stranger who comes to the Bebrickians should depart till he has raised his hands in battle against mine. Wherefore, select your bravest warrior from the host and set him here on the spot to contend with me in boxing. But if you pay no heed and trample my decrees underfoot, assuredly to your sorrow will stern necessity come upon you." Thus he spoke in his pride, but fierce anger seized them when they heard it, and the challenge smote Polyduques most of all, and quickly he stood forth his comrade's champion and cried, Hold now, and display not to us thy brutal violence, whoever thou art, for we will obey thy rules as thou sayest. Willingly now do I myself undertake to meet thee. Thus he spoke outright, but the other with rolling eyes glared on him, like to a lion struck by a javelin when hunters in the mountains are hemming him round, and, though pressed by the throng, he reeks no more of them, but keeps his eyes fixed, singling out that man only who struck him first and slew him not. Hereupon the son of Tyndarius laid aside his mantle, closely woven, delicately wrought, which one of the Lemnian maidens had given him as a pledge of hospitality. And the king threw down his dark cloak of double fold with its clasps and the unknotted crook of mountain olive, which he carried. Then straightway they looked and chose close by a spot that pleased them, and bade their comrades sit upon the sand in two lines— nor were they alike to behold in form or in stature. The one seemed to be a monstrous man, son of baleful Typhaeus or of Earth herself, such as she brought forth aforetime in her wrath against Zeus. But the other, the son of Tyndarius, was like a star of heaven, whose beams are fairest as it shines through the nightly sky at eventide. Such was the son of Zeus, the bloom of the first down still on his cheeks, still with the look of gladness in his eyes. But his might and fury waxed like a wild beast's, and he poised his hands to see if they were pliant as before and were not altogether numbed by toil and rowing. But Amicus on his side made no trial, but standing apart in silence, he kept his eyes upon his foe, and his spirit surged within him, all eager to dash the life-blood from his breast. And between them, Lyorius, the henchman of Amicus, placed at their feet on each side two pairs of gauntlets made of rawhide, dry, exceedingly tough, and the king addressed the hero with arrogant words. 
Whichever of these thou wilt without casting lots, I grant thee freely, but thou mayst not blame me hereafter. Bind them about thy hands, thou shalt learn, and tell another how skilled I am to carve the dry oxhides and to spatter men's cheeks with blood. Thus he spoke, but the other gave back no taunt in answer, but with a light smile readily took up the gauntlets that lay at his feet, and to him came Castor and mighty Talaeus, son of Bias, and they quickly bound the gauntlets about his hands after bidding him be of good courage. And to Amicus came Aretas and Ornitus, but little they knew, poor fools, that they had bound them for the last time on their champion, a victim of evil fate. Now when they stood apart and were ready with their gauntlets, straight away in front of their faces they raised their heavy hands and matched their might in deadly strife. Hereupon the Babrician king, even as a fierce wave of the sea rises in a crest against a swift ship, but she, by the skill of the crafty pilot, just escapes the shock when the billow is eager to break over the bulwark. So he followed up the son of Tyndarius, trying to daunt him, and gave him no respite. But the hero, ever unwounded by his skill, baffled the rush of his foe, and he quickly noted the brutal play of his fists to see where he was invincible in strength and where inferior and stood unceasingly and now returned blow for blow. And as when shipwrights with their hammers smite ships' timbers to meet the sharp clamps, fixing layer upon layer, and the blows resound one after another, so cheeks and jaws crashed on both sides, and a huge clattering of teeth arose. Nor did they cease ever from striking their blows, until labored, gasping overcame both. And standing a little apart, they wiped from their foreheads sweat in abundance, wearily panting for breath. Then back they rushed together again as two bulls fight in furious rivalry for a grazing heifer. Next, Amicus, rising on tiptoes like one who slays an ox, sprung to his full height and swung his heavy hand down upon his rival. But the hero swerved aside from the rush, turning his head, and just received the arm on his shoulder, and coming near and slipping his knee past the king's with a rush, he struck him above the ear and broke the bones inside. And the king fell in agony upon his knees, and the Minian heroes shouted for joy, and his life was poured forth all at once." Nor were the Babricians reckless of their king, but altogether took up rough clubs and spears and rushed straight on Polyduques. But in front of him stood his comrades, their keen swords drawn from the sheath. First Castor struck upon the head of a man as he rushed at him, and it was cleft in two and fell on each side upon his shoulders. And Polyduces slew huge Itomonius and Mimas, the one with a sudden leap he smote between the breast with his swift foot and threw him in the dust. And as the other drew near, he struck him with his right hand above the left eyebrow and tore away his eyelid, and the eyeball was left bare. 
But Orides, insolent henchman of Amicus, wounded Talius, son of Bias, on the side, but did not slay him, but only grazing the skin, the bronze sped upon his belt and touched not the flesh. Likewise, Eretus, with well-seasoned clubs, smote Iphitus, the steadfast son of Eurytus, not yet destined to an evil death. Assuredly, soon as he was himself to be slain by the sword of Clytius, then Ancaius, the dauntless son of Lycurgus, quickly seized his huge axe, and in his left hand, holding a bear's dark hide, plunged into the midst of the Babricians with furious onset. And with him charged the son of Iacus, and with them started war like Jason." And as when amid the folds grey wolves rush down on a winter's day and scare countless sheep, unmarked by the keen-scented dogs and the shepherds too, and they seek what first to attack and carry off, often glaring round, but the sheep are just huddled together and trample on one another. So the heroes grievously scared the arrogant Babricians, and as shepherds or beekeepers smote out a huge swarm of bees in a rock, and they meanwhile pent up in their hive murmur with droning hum, till, stupefied by the murky smoke, they fly forth far from the rock. So they stayed steadfast no longer, but scattered themselves inland through Babricia, proclaiming the death of Amicus. Fools not to perceive that another woe all unforeseen was hard upon them. For at that hour their vineyards and villages were being ravaged by the hostile spear of Lycus and the Mariandini, now that their king was gone. For they were ever at strife about the iron-bearing land, and now the foe was destroying their steadings and farms, and now the heroes from all sides were driving off their countless sheep, and one spoke among his fellows thus. Bethink you what they would have done in their cowardice if haply some god had brought Heracles hither. Assuredly, if he had been here, no trial would there have been of fists, I ween. But when the king drew near to proclaim his rules, the club would have made him forget his pride and the rules to boot. Yeah, we have left him uncared for on the strand, and we sailed over sea, and full well each one of us shall know our baneful folly now that he is far away. Thus he spoke, but all these things had been wrought by the counsels of Zeus. Then they remained there through the night and tended the hurts of the wounded men, and offered sacrifice to the immortals, and made ready a mighty meal. And sleep fell upon no man beside the bowl and the blazing sacrifice. They wreathed their fair brows with the bay that grew by the shore, whereto their hawsers were bound, and chanted a song to the lyre of Orpheus in sweet harmony. And the windless shore was charmed by their song, and they celebrated the Therapnian son of Zeus. But when the sun rising from far lands lighted up the dewy hills and wakened the shepherds, then they loosed their hawsers from the stem of the bay tree, and put on board all the spoil they had need to take. And with a favoring wind they steered through the eddying Bosporus. Hereupon a wave like a steep mountain rose aloft in front, as though rushing upon them, ever upheaved above the clouds. Nor would you say that they could escape grim death, for in its fury it hangs over the middle of the ship like a cloud, 
yet it sinks away into calm if it meets with a skillful helmsman. So they, by the steering craft of Tiphys, escaped, unhurt but sore dismayed, and on the next day they fastened the hawsers to the coast opposite the Bithynian land. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. There Phineas, son of Agenor, had his home by the sea. Phineas, who above all men endured most bitter woes because of the gift of prophecy which Leto's son had granted him aforetime, and he reverenced not a whit even Zeus himself, for he foretold unerringly to men his sacred will. Wherefore Zeus sent upon him a lingering old age, and took from his eyes the pleasant light, and suffered him not to have joy of the dainties untold that the dwellers around ever brought to his house, when they came to inquire the will of heaven. But on a sudden swooping through the clouds, the harpies with their crooked beaks incessantly snatched the food away from his mouth and hands, and at times not a morsel of food was left, at others but a little, in order that he might live and be tormented. And they poured forth over all a loathsome stench, 
and no one dared not merely to carry food to his mouth, but even to stand at a distance, so foully reeked the remnants of the meal. But straightway, when he heard the voice and the tramp of the band, he knew that they were the men passing by, at whose coming Zeus's oracle had declared to him that he should have joy of his food. And he rose from his couch like a lifeless dream, bowed over his staff, and crept to the door on his withered feet, feeling the walls, and as he moved, his limbs trembled for weakness and age, and his parched skin was caked with dirt, and naught but the skill held his bones together. And he came forth from the hall with wearied knees, and sat on the threshold of the courtyard, and a dark stupor covered him, and it seemed that the earth reeled round beneath his feet, and he lay in a strengthless trance, speechless. But when they saw him, they gathered round and marveled, and he at last drew labored breath from the depths of his chest and spoke among them with prophetic utterance. Listen, bravest of all the Hellenes, if it be truly you whom by a king's ruthless command Jason is leading on the ship Argo in quest of the fleece, if it is you truly, even yet my soul by its divination knows everything." Thanks I render to thee, O king, son of Leto, plunged in bitter affliction though I be. I beseech you by Zeus, the god of suppliants, the sternest foe to sinful men, and for the sake of Phoebus and Hera herself, under whose especial care you have come hither, help me save an ill-fated man from misery, and depart not uncaring and leaving me thus as you see." For not only has the fury set her foot on my eyes, and I drag on to the end a weary old age, but besides my other woes, a woe hangs over me the bitterest of all. The harpies, swooping down from some unseen den of destruction, ever snatch the food from my mouth, and I have no device to aid me. But it were easier, when I long for a meal, to escape my own thoughts than them so swiftly do they fly through the air. But if haply they do leave me a morsel of food, it reeks of decay, and the stench is unendurable, nor could any mortal bear to draw near even for a moment. No, not if his heart were wrought of adamantine. But necessity, bitter and insatiate, compels me to abide, and abiding to put food in my cursed belly— these pests, the oracle declares, the sons of Boreas shall restrain, and no strangers are they that shall ward them off. If, indeed, I am Phineas, who was once renowned among men for wealth and the gift of prophecy, and if I am the son of my father, Agenor, and, when I ruled among the Thracians, by my bridal gifts I brought home their sister Cleopatra to be my wife." So spoke Agenor's son, and deep sorrow seized each of the heroes, and especially the two sons of Boreas. And brushing away a tear, they drew nigh, and Zetes spoke as follows, taking in his own the hand of the grief-worn sire. Unhappy one, none other of men is more wretched than you, methinks. Why upon thee is laid the burden of so many sorrows? Hast thou with baneful folly sinned against the gods through thy skill in prophecy? For this they are greatly wroth with thee. Yet our spirit is dismayed within us for all our desire to aid you, if indeed the god has granted this privilege to us too. 
For plain to discern the men of earth are the reproofs of the immortals, and we will never check the harpies when they come for all our desire, until you have sworn that for this we shall not lose the favor of heaven. Thus he spoke, and towards him the aged sire opened his sightless eyes, and lifted them up and replied with these words, Be silent, store not up such thoughts in your heart, my child. Let the son of Leto be my witness, he who of his gracious will taught me the lore of prophecy, and be witness the ill-starred doom which possess me and this dark cloud upon my eyes, and the gods of the underworld, and may their curse be upon me if I die perjured thus. No wrath from heaven will fall upon you too for your help to me. Then were those two eager to help him because of the oath, and quickly the younger heroes prepared a feast for the aged man, a last prey for the harpies, and both stood near him to smite with the sword those pests when they swooped down. Scarcely had the aged man touched the food when they forthwith, like bitter blasts or flashes of lightning, suddenly darted from the clouds and swooped down with a yell, fiercely craving for food. And the heroes beheld them and shouted in the midst of their onrush. But they at the cry devoured everything and sped away over the sea after, and an intolerable stench remained. And behind them the two sons of Boreas, raising their swords, rushed in pursuit. For Zeus imparted to them tireless strength. But without Zeus they could not have followed, for the harpies used ever to outstrip the blasts of the west wind when they came to Phineas and when they left him. And when, upon the mountainside, hounds, cunning in the chase, run in the track of horned goats or deer, and as they strain a little behind, gnash their teeth upon the edge of their jaws in vain, so Zetes and Calais, rushing very near, just grazed the harpies in vain with their fingertips, and assuredly they would have torn them to pieces despite heaven's will when they had overtaken them far off the floating islands, had not swift Iris seen them and leapt down from the sky from heaven above and cheeked them with these words. It is not lawful, O sons of Boreas, to strike with your swords the harpies, the hounds of mighty Zeus, but I myself will give you a pledge that hereafter they shall not draw near to Phineas. With these words she took an oath by the waters of Styx, which to all the gods is most dread and most awful, that the harpies would never thereafter again approach the home of Phineas, son of Agenor, for so it was fated. And the heroes, yielding to the oath, turned back their flight to the ship, and on account of this men call them the Islands of Turning, though aforetime they called them the Floating Islands. And the harpies and Iris parted, they entered their den in Minoan Crete, but she sped up to Olympus, soaring aloft on her swift wings. Meanwhile, the chiefs carefully cleansed the old man's squalid skin, and with due selection sacrificed the sheep which they had borne away from the spoil of Amicus. And when they had laid a huge supper in the hall, they sat down and feasted, and with them feasted Phineas ravenously, delighting his soul, as in a dream. And there, when they had taken their fill of food and drink, they kept awake all night waiting for the sons of Boreas. 
and the aged sire himself sat in the middle, near the hearth, telling of the end of their voyage and the completion of their journey. Listen then, not everything is it lawful for you to know clearly, but whatever is heaven's will I will not hide. I was infatuated aforetime when in my folly I declared the will of Zeus in order and to the end, for he himself wishes to deliver men the utterances of the prophetic art incomplete, in order that they may still have some need to know the will of heaven. First of all, after leaving me, you will see the twin Cyanean rocks, where the two seas meet. No one, I ween, has won his escape between them, for they are not firmly fixed with roots beneath, but constantly clash against one another to one point, and above a huge mass of salt water rises in a crest, boiling up and loudly dashes upon the hard beach. Wherefore now obey my counsel, if indeed with prudent mind and reverencing the blessed gods you pursue your way, and perish not foolishly by a self-sought death, or rush on following the guidance of youth. First entrust the attempt to a dove, when you have sent her forth from the ship, and if she escapes safe with her wings between the rocks to the open sea, then no more do you refrain from the path, but grip your oars well in your hands, and cleave the sea's narrow strait for the light of safety, will be not so much in prayer as in strength of hands. Wherefore let all else go and labor boldly with might and main, but ere then implore the gods as you will, I forbid you not. But if she flies onward and perishes midway, then do you turn back, for it is better to yield to the immortals, for you could not escape an evil doom from the rocks, not even if Argo were of iron." O hapless ones, dare not to transgress my divine warning, even though you think that I am thrice as much hated by the sons of heaven as I am, and even more than thrice. Dare not to sail further with your ship in despite of the omen. And as these things will fall, so shall they fall. But if you shun the clashing rocks and come scatheless inside Pontus, straightway keep the land of the Bithynians on your right and sail on. And beware of the breakers until you round the swift river Rebus and on the black beach and reach the harbor of the Isle of Phineas. Thence you must turn back a little space through the sea and beach your ship on the land of the Mirandini, lying opposite. Here is a downward path to the abode of Hades and the headland of Ercusia stretches aloft, and eddying Asheron cleaves its way at the bottom, even through the headland, and sends its waters forth from a huge ravine. And near it you will sail past many hills of the Paphlagonians, over whom at the first Anitian Pelops reigned, and of his blood they boasted themselves to be. Now there is a headland opposite Helike the Bear, steep on all sides, and they call it the Carambus, about whose crests the blasts of the north wind are sundered. So high in the air does it rise turned towards the sea, and when you have rounded it, broad Aegealus stretches before you, and at the end of broad Aegealus, at a jutting point of coast, the waters of the river Halus pour forth with a terrible roar. 
and after it, his flowing near but smaller in stream rolls into the sea with white eddies. Onward from thence the bend of a huge and towering cape reaches out from the land. Next, Thermodon at its mouth flows into a quiet bay at the Themyscirian headland after wandering through a broad continent. And here is the plain of Dias, and near are the three cities of the Amazons, and after them the Calibes, most wretched of men, possess a soil rugged and unyielding sons of toil. They busy themselves with working iron. And near them dwell the Teburini, rich in sheep, beyond the Genetinian headland of Zeus, lord of hospitality. And bordering on it, the Mosinoki, next in order, inhabit the well-wooded mainland and the parts beneath the mountains, who have built in towers made from trees their wooded homes and well-fitted chambers which they call the Mosinis, and the people themselves take their name from them. After passing them, you must beach your ship upon a smooth island. When you have driven away with all manner of skill the ravening birds, which in countless numbers haunt the desert island, in it the queen of the Amazons, Otrere and Antiope, built a stone temple of Ares, what time they went forth to war. Now here an unspeakable help will come to you from the bitter sea, Wherefore, with kindly intent, I bid you to stay. But what need is there that I should sin yet again, declaring everything to the end by my prophetic art? And beyond the island and opposite mainland dwell the Phileres, and above the Phileres are the Macrones, and after them the vast tribes of the Bekiri, and next in order to them dwell the Cyperes, and the Beziris have the lands adjoining to them, and beyond them at last live the warlike Colchians themselves. But speed on in your ship till you touch the inmost bourne of the sea. And here, at the Chitean mainland and from the Amarantian mountains far away, and the Kyrcanian plain, eddying Phasis rolls his broad stream to the sea. Guide your ship to the mouth of that river, and you shall behold the towers of the Chitean Aetes and the shady grove of Ares, where a dragon, a monster terrible to behold, ever glares around, keeping watch over the fleece that is spread upon the top of an oak. Neither by day nor night does sweet sleep subdue his restless eyes." Thus he spoke, and straightway fear seized them as they heard, and for a long while they were struck with silence, till at last the hero, son of Aeson, spoke, sore dismayed at their evil plight. bit of a cliffhanger there. We're going to leave whatever Jason's about to say uh, for next week because I kind of have to break these ones up because they're very long and no one wants to listen to an hour and a half of this straight. I wouldn't keep your attention and I don't blame you. Um, but we're really getting to the exciting stuff in this. The fight with Amicus is always a favorite of so many people because the guy's basically just like 
you literally can't do anything but fight me. Like, you have no choice ever. Whatever. You have to fight me. And it goes very poorly for him, which I appreciate because don't be a dick. And then, of course, we have this incredible prophet who's basically just given us the lay of the land and then some. Oh, my God, those names, you guys. I love it and I hate it. But also, it's really fun. Um, we're getting to some of the really fun stuff, though. You kind of got a taste there. We're naming the Amazons. We're going to see the Amazons. We're going to see Medea. We're going to see those clashing rocks. We're going to see Crete later. Honestly, the story is really fun. And it just is kind of best told in this epic way. So I hope you're all enjoying it. It's getting more and more fun for me to read, which means I read it in a more and more fun way, as you might have noticed in this episode. Definitely had a good time here. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back soon with part two of book two. Uh, stay tuned. Thank you all so much. I am Liv and I love this shit. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.